A Comfort Friend for All by Rachel Nebergall. The demanding beeping sound of the washing machine catches my attention, indicating it's time to switch the dryer. I rush to the task, knowing evening is quickly approaching and we cannot safely enter bedtime without their friends dried and ready for snuggling. Today, we have the great pleasure of being indoctrinated into a new category of parents, those who can tell you about the time their family battled lice. It is amazing it has taken us this long. Our three children, ages seven and under, have all attended childcare at some point, a place that encourages the lifelong lesson of sharing, including the myriad of diseases that go along with that. So here we are in the midst of the sanitation process for what will always be referred to as the delousing saga of 2019. We've treated the children, vacuumed the furniture, stripped the beds, and now we are down to the most cherished of items, the loveys, the stuffies, the bedtime friends. He sleeps with Puppy and Barry. There are other rotating guest appearances in his bed, but these are the regulars. When we go to check on him at night, we find them still tucked under his chin one in each arm, like a headlock from your great aunt. For her, it's the Daniel Tiger she received when the pacifiers went away to her younger cousin. It was a quick pro quo that I didn't expect to be as successful as it was. There's also the Tiggy Santa spent late night hours crafting with love and insecurity of how it might be received. It was all for nothing because there had not been a time since that Christmas he wasn't by her side. Daniel and Tiggy might be celebrities on your TV, but in our house, we are friends IRL. The baby is yet to take to the stuffed animal he placed in his crib when the internet told me it was safe to do so. It's a lion we forced upon him, a fluffy one Nana and Papa gave him at their first meeting when he was only four weeks old, a nod to his name, Leo. We're not at all sure if he will live into that name, if he is a king of the jungle type, although he does do a mean roaring sound. While the youngest isn't showing any signs of lice yet, we chose to take all precaution and throw Lion into the wash. High heat, they said. It's the only way to kill them. But apparently high heat also turns a fluffy mane into a 1970s afro. I'm worried the baby won't take to the change in hairdo. Lion may be evicted from the crib soon. I make a note to hunt for a new friend. Sorry, Lion. These are their dearest friends, the ones that lull them to sleep. They get proper noun status in our home referred to by their given names. Seems our children could be a little more creative with their naming strategies, but we know better than to ever question the name one gives to their beloved. And they are beloved members in our family. They provide company when the dark looms over their small beds at night. They comfort when traveling to a strange place. For when with their friends, they never feel alone. I have that comfort friend too. For me, it's my husband. It's in his arms that I find rest. I fight it, though. I'm an adult. I shouldn't need a comfort item to get me to sleep. That's what my peppermint tea and skincare routine are for. That's why I use a sound machine and a heavy-down comforter and keep the thermostat at a temperature comfortable only to penguins. I'm a grown woman that can care for herself, thank you very much. I don't need a comfort object to rest well. Physical touch is a struggle for me these days, too. I live in an introverted body, surrounded by boundaryless children, who when not asleep and surrounded by their comfort animals, seek refuge in me. It is one of those other duties as assigned in motherhood, the constant touch, pull, press, weight against my body. I give in to them as long as I can until I 
pass the roll over to their stuffed friends, offer one last physical presence with a kiss, and wish them good night. It is only in these next precious hours of freedom that I can finally just be me and my body. But sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes the self-care routines I label as grown-up and independent don't feel adequate for rest. On the really hard days, my soul requires more than facial serums and cozy pajamas. It needs a hug. Tonight, after a long and unwelcome journey of cleaning and scrubbing and brushing and cleaning again, I am beaten down. My heart rate still races from the anxiety of infestation. My mind distracted by the guilt of my children's pain. My body weary from the irritation of duties I did not plan. The exhaustion weighs heavy on me from the outside in. And then there he is, my delousing partner, my comforter, my husband. He sits in our bed in its freshly washed, infestation-free sheets. When he smiles at me, he looks as tired as I feel. I collapse into his body as his arms wrap tightly around my back. My breathing matches his, slow and deep, as the anxiety and guilt and irritation leave me with every exhale. There is no one I would rather tackle lice with than you, he whispers. It is the sexiest thing he could say to me in this moment. And also the most comforting. I may be capable of caring well for both my children and myself, but it sure brings me solace to know I don't have to do it alone. The physical contact is welcoming tonight. The struggles of the day do not linger. Sleep finds me quickly in the comfort of his arms. This piece was by Rachel Nevergall. And Rachel, I'm glad to have you back for a few more Q&A questions. And thanks for being here. Thank you. Excited to be back. I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your secret mama superpower. It could be silly or serious, um, but essentially talk to us about what is one personal strength that you have that you find is a gift to your family. I have to remind myself that I have this skill sometimes because when I'm frustrated with my children, I very easily fall back to more um, frustrated mom mode. But when I am on my game, I can be very creative in using imagination to convince my children Mm -hmm. to do things I need them to do. Yes. Um, For instance, I have a train, uh, I hate to use the word obsessed, but it is true. A train (laughs) following a four-year-old as, you know, basic as it gets. But um, if, if I really need to do, get him to do something and he's usually the one that needs the most help. um, If I can turn it into some sort of train inspired activity, he is mm-hmm. on board. No pun intended. I really didn't mean that. But he is <laughs> yes. He is ready to drive that train. If I need him to get dressed, I have to tell him to yeah. put on an engineering outfit or, you know, anything related to it. And I think I'm always surprised myself when I pull that little trick out of my superhero bag. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wonderful. Especially I think hooking into our kids' playful side and their imagination. I think it's something they don't always expect from adults or 
probably most specifically their parents, because we're always like giving instructions Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have a different way about us. But I love that idea to just kind of enter into one of their interests and harness their own motivation and excitement about that to get them to go where you need them to go. So that's wonderful. I'm much more likely to pull it out in the morning than I am at the uh-huh. end of the day. I'll give you that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I think when we're tired, it's a little bit trickier to find that creative spot. But exactly. Very good. Well, I'd love to ask you, what is your favorite household chore? And Ooh. what is your least favorite household Ooh. chore? <laughs> I know. Like, do you have a favorite? Can you find one that you have any redeeming quality in? Or um, I'm, Okay, I'm going with my least because this is the first thing I can think of. Uh, okay. yeah. I, I am not the dishwasher in my home. Um, I have a husband who really loves to do it. Uh, yeah. And to, to the shock of many of my friends, but he, he needs that at the end of his day. So, and I despise it. So that duty falls to him. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's something I love to do. Um, sure. It's okay if there isn't, because I don't have any favorite <laughs> household chores. It's just interesting when somebody does have something, or maybe it's not that you love the chore, but you love the payoff of getting that chore done or whatever it might be. Okay, I do have one. I really enjoy grocery shopping. I One of the suggestions I hear all the time is to sign up for a delivery service for groceries because yeah. it is a wonderful saving grace for parents. And I am so glad that we have that invention in our life for those who need it. But I really enjoy the activity and I even enjoy it with my children of going to the grocery store and choosing the items for myself yeah. and the process of creating a menu and, um, you know, just everything that goes around with that. It's probably my love of food. <laughs> so if it's food related, <laughs> I adore it. Yes. Well, I think we're in the same boat. I do the same, although we go as a whole family, all seven of my kids and my husband, we do our shopping at Costco. Oh, with your husband too. Once, okay. Yes. Well, you, well need, you need a lot of help if you're yes. going to Costco. That's a good idea. Well, it's actually gotten to the point this year has been kind of a sideways year for us. And so he is comfortable going on his own with six of the kids and I keep the baby at home sometimes. And he's like, mm. I'll just, I'll just handle Costco. And I'm like, you know, you go for it. Cause I totally love having just an hour of time to myself where, um, I'm not there in the commotion. I do enjoy being there and being able to complete that task together. But, um, I just, I resonate. Anything with food is higher on my list than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing with having a young baby. You also realize, I can say no to this chore right now and yes. because it will come back. You will be grocery shopping eventually. You're not going to get out of it altogether. <laughs> for sure. Well, I have just one more question for you and that is how do you find, create, or cultivate peace in your home? I've discovered this year that peace begins with me mm-hmm. and I am not going to have a peaceful my children are not going to be peaceful if I am not. And so I've tried to set aside small moments of my day that mm-hmm. fill me up. Um, I like a quiet morning on my own. I, I like a quiet afternoon, quiet. That maybe that's my theme. Um, but I, I've also learned to 
teach my children how to remind me to be peaceful. So we have a practice now that if they can tell that I'm starting to get really frustrated or angry, um, yeah, they will remind me to breathe. And um, we have a thing where we choose a breath. So there's different fun ways of doing the breath that goes back to the imagination, creative side. Mm-hmm. And so um, by reminding, having them remind me, it keeps both of us accountable for checking into that piece. And I, I'm hoping that by I set an example of stopping when I don't have peace and giving, showing my children that we can get to it, even if we aren't feeling it. And that yeah. maybe in the midst of their tantrums and frustrations and anger, that it can go both ways, that they are be- better able to tap into a moment of peace. Do you find that it's ever a challenge if you are giving instructions or trying to correct one of your children and they, do they ever use it against you as like, mom, you need to breathe now? <laughs> oh yes. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get um, around that? Uh, but uh, it's rare that they're not right <laughs> yeah. because, because I, I know that even if I am correcting them, uh, that I can do it from a place of peace. And so I, I like to acknowledge him. Yes. Thank you. And <laughs> so, and so that, I'm still a mom. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I come, I'm, I'm and is a big word in my life. So yes, I'm, frustrated and need to calm down and you need to do this. So both are important Mm -hmm. in our lives. (laughs) That's really wise. I totally love that. Really good tip. And did you teach them a particular way that they should do that? Like how did you start that conversation when you decided to implement that accountability with your kids? Well, it started from a book as all things in my life do. Uh, We found a it was one of those lucky at the end cap of the library finds. And it's a book called Alpha Breaths. And it goes through every letter of the alphabet and a different kind of breathing strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of our favorite ones are the butterfly fly breath, where you flap your arms and breathe in that pattern. Um, there's an oatmeal breath that they really like or you're blowing on hot oatmeal. Um, I think uh, what I loved about that was for the children, it gives them a chance to choose a breath. So I can say, all right, we're getting upset. You get to choose a breath. (laughs) So then they get that choice option there. Um, And again, they use it right back at me to yeah, of course. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> and but uh-huh. I am always inspired by children's books. And so um, I'm really in a hunt for the mindful, peaceful books these days. And that one really inspired me. That's great. Well, that's something I haven't heard before. So it's very interesting and I think really useful. I appreciate you sharing. And thanks for being with us today on the podcast and sharing your piece. Um, I hope that women who resonate with this will um, share it with their friends and maybe come join us over on our private Facebook group um, if they want to connect with you more. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Emily. This was so fun. 